In the spirit of reconciliation, Tabletop Unknown acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. Tabletop Hello and welcome back to Tabletop Unknown, the show where we playtest lesser-known tabletop games. My name is Will, and as you may have heard on the Alien Solitude Lost series previously, I've been on parental leave. And whilst this has been some of the best times of my life, um, it does mean that I've missed a lot of what I used to love about tabletop role-playing games, uh, particularly hanging out with my mates and creating a story together. Luckily for me, though, there is a lot of uh, commercially available RPGs uh, specifically designed for solo play. Um, They come in a variety of shapes and sizes and, and forms and formats. And over the next sort of, you know, six to 12 months, we are going to explore a couple of them, starting today with uh, what I think is a really interesting system. Um, If you've ever read a uh, choose-your-own-adventure book, particularly the Goosebumps choose-your-own-adventure books from the 90s. It's structured very similar to that, um, but with an RPG flair. This is one of the first such types of this game uh, made available. It is called The Warlock of Firetop Mountain by Steve Jackson and Ian Livingston. from Firetop Mountain was first developed in 1982, um, which is relatively early in the tabletop role-playing game world. The first version of Dungeons & Dragons was developed in 1974 and was originally designed as like a a wargaming type setting, but it was then sort of rewritten and rebranded and reprinted in 1977 with the focus on role-playing to sort of segregate it from that typical wargame setting. Um, there was a couple of other little ones introduced in the in the in the uh, late 70s. So you've got Empire of the Petal Throne, which came out the same year as Dungeons and Dragons. Um, Traveller by Mark Miller, uh, Gamma World and Boot Hill. Um, and then in 1982, you had this game released by Steve Jackson Games. Steve Jackson Games then followed this up a few years later with. Uh, what's sort of what's known as GURPS, which is the generic universal role-playing system, which we may cover at some point on the podcast as well. Um, but this game was specifically designed for uh, solo players who may not have the time or the capability to play with other people. So let's get stuck into the rules. Now, playing this game is quite simple. The first thing you're going to do is um, decide your character's statistics. So everyone starts this game with the same equipment. So you have a sword and a shield and you have a rucksack containing some like food and drink provisions. Um, the, the game 
at the very start sort of says you have been preparing yourself for your quest by training yourself in sword play and exercising vigorously. And now we do a couple of dice rolls to work out the effectiveness of those preparations. So the game book does contain uh, an adventure sheet, which is basically just a, a very simplified character sheet, like what you might have seen in Dungeons and Dragons or any other role-playing game. And you use that to record some details of the adventure. And on it has specific boxes uh, containing skills, stamina, and luck. The only equipment you need to play this game are a pencil to make some um, notes and two dice. So to determine your skill stats, you need to firstly roll one die, add six to that number, and that is your skill value. You enter that into the skill box on the adventure sheet. Next up, you roll both dice and you add 12 to that number and enter that into the stamina box. Lastly, the luck box, you roll one die again, add six to that number, and that is your luck score. I'm going to quickly do that right now. All right, so for skill, I got I rolled a five, so I add six to that, and that gives me 11. Uh, for my stamina, I got a eight, so I add 12 to that, and that's 20. And lastly, for my luck, I rolled a four, so I add six to that, and that is 10. So 11 for my skill, 20 for my stamina, and... 10 for my luck. So something that's important to note is that your skill, stamina, and luck scores are going to probably change constantly throughout the adventure. So you need to keep an accurate record of the scores, um, but you, you should never rub out the initial scores, um, even though you might be awarded additional points. The, the totals will never exceed your initial scores, except on a very rare occasion um, where you might be instructed to do so on a particular page of the book. Um, so the skill score reflects your swordsmanship and general sort of fighting expertise. The higher, the better. So we rolled pretty well for that. Your stamina score reflects your general constitution, your will to survive, your determination and overall fitness. The higher your stamina score, the longer you will be able to survive. Uh, and again, we scored okay for that, um, sort of mid to high. Um, and then your luck score indicates how naturally lucky a person you are. Luck, which also can sometimes be related to magic, are facts of life in the fantasy kingdom that we're about to explore. And again, we scored pretty good on that. Now, as we adventure towards the top of uh, Firetop Mountain, we may encounter uh, creatures that we have to battle. Um, each creature that we battle will have its skill and stamina scores detailed on the page that we encounter, and we write those into our adventure sheet as well, uh, and those scores are given to us. We then have a very specific sequence of combat. Um, firstly, we roll two dice once for the creature. So we're just taking the two dice and we're rolling them, and then we add its skill score. This is the creature's total attack strength. Uh, then we do the same thing for ourselves. We roll the two dice and add the um, uh, skill score, which is our attack strength. If our attack strength is higher than that of the creature, then we wound it and we... Um, proceed to the next step but if the creature's attack strength is higher than yours it has wounded you and then we we have to do something else but let's just say for an example our first example our attack strength is higher than the creature's we wound it we once we've wounded it we subtract two points from its stamina score 
Um, and we may also use luck here to do additional damage, which I will might as well get into right now. Uh, actually, no, I won't. I'll, I'll come back to luck. So there we go. We've wounded the creature and we subtract two points from the score. Um, we then make any appropriate adjustments to the creature's stamina scores. So we've we've wounded it. We, we remove some stamina. And then we start over. We start again. We roll the two dice for the creature again and add its skill score. We roll the two dice for us, add our skill score. And we again assess to see whose is higher. Now let's say in this situation um, the creature's attack strength is higher than ours, it has wounded us. So very simply, like we did with the creature, we subtract two points from our own stamina score. And again, we can use luck at this stage to, to make some changes to that, but I will come back to that when I talk about luck. We continue that sequence back and forth, attack scores, uh, adding um, skill scores until either us or the creature that we're fighting's stamina has been reduced to zero, which in which case uh, means death. On some pages, we may be given the option of running away from a battle should things be going badly. Um, however, if we do run away, the creature automatically gets one wound on us, so that's they subtract two stamina points uh, again as we flee. And again, we may use luck in this situation. The only times you can escape, though, is if the option is specifically given to you on that page. So if it's not given to you, you can assume that you are not able to escape. It is possible, but not common, that we may encounter more than one creature in, a, in an encounter, um, in which case the instructions on that particular page will tell us how to handle the battle. Sometimes we will treat them as a single monster, and sometimes we fight each one in turn, but again, we'll come back to that if we encounter them in the game. So at various times throughout the adventure, either during battles or when you come across situations, uh, certain situations, again, details will be given on the pages, you may call on your luck to make the outcome more favourable. Um, but we need to be careful with that because using luck is a risky business and if we're unlucky, the results can be disastrous. So the process for using luck is as follows. We roll two dice... And if the number we rolled is equal to or less than your current luck score, so at the very point at the very start of the game, we've got 10 luck. If the the if the, the number rolled is equal to or less than uh, 10, we've been lucky and the result will go in our favor. If the number we rolled is higher, then you've been unlucky lucky and you will be penalized. Um, this procedure in the game is known as testing your luck, and each time you test your luck, you must subtract one point from your current luck score, which makes it, um, which will pretty quickly make it very hard to use your luck to get out of situations. The more you use it, the riskier it becomes using it. On certain pages of the book, we will be told where we can test our luck. Um, and the consequences of being lucky or unlucky. However, in battles, you always have the option of using your luck either to inflict a more serious wound on a creature or to minimize the effects of a wound the creature has just inflicted you. So if you've just wounded the creature, you may test your luck as described above. So we roll the two dice and we compare that with our luck score. If we're lucky, uh, we've inflicted a severe wound and may subtract an extra two points from the creature's stamina score. So high risk, but also quite high reward in a battle situation. 
Um, however, if we're unlucky, the wound is a mere graze and we must restore one point to the creature's stamina. So instead of scoring the normal two points of damage, we will only have scored one point. So it's a it's a 50-50 a, a as to whether you sort of want to take that bet or not. If the creature has just wounded us, though, we may test our luck to try and minimise the wound. Uh, if we're lucky, we've managed to avoid the full damage below, so we only take one point instead of the two points of damage. Um, however, if we're unlucky, you've taken a more serious blow and we take an extra one stamina point damage. And again, testing your luck is just the exact same, rolling the two dice and comparing it to your luck score. And still, uh, every time we test our luck, even in a battle, we subtract one point from our luck score. There will be times when we can uh, restore our scores. So our skill score is not likely to change much during the adventure. Uh, occasionally on a page, we may be given an instruction to increase or decrease our skill score. Um, a magic weapon we pick up may increase our skill, um, but... It, very importantly, only one type of magic weapon can be used at a time. So we can't claim two skill bonuses for carrying two magic swords, as an example. Um, but again, your skill score can never exceed its initial value unless it's specifically instructed. Um, stamina score will change a lot during our adventure as we fight monsters and undertake uh, any sort of... Um, physically demanding tasks. As we near our goal, uh, our stamina level may be dangerously low and battles will be particularly risky. So we need to be careful there. Now our um, rucksack contains enough provisions for 10 meals. We can rest and eat a meal only when allowed by the instructions on a page. And you, um, we, we may only eat one meal at a time. So eating a meal restores four stamina points, but I can't just, you know, do what we all did in Skyrim and smash 40 cheese wheels in a pause in a battle with a with a you know snow yeti or something snow snow troll um we can only eat one meal and it score restores four stamina points on that page we that provision then it no longer exists so we had provisions i think oh what did i say at the start we had provisions for that doesn't say i think we start with 10 provisions and every time we eat a food or a meal, we take one away from provisions. Uh, and again, we keep a record of that on our adventure sheet. We have a long way to go, so provisions need to be used wisely. Lastly, uh, restoring our luck or adding to our luck can only be done through throughout the adventure when we've been particularly lucky, and details for that are given on the pages of the book. Um, so as with the skill and stamina, our luck score may never exceed its initial value unless specifically instructed, um, but we will have, we may encounter the option to, to uh, add to it. There is some potions that we can get as well, which might come up, but uh, we'll, we'll cross that bridge if we come to it. Now, as I mentioned, we start with some bare minimum equipment. We have a sword and shield. Uh, we have a rucksack with um, provisions, which is also described as like a backpack or a haversack. I'll probably just call it a backpack to make things easier. I think it's easier to say than rucksack. Um, and we have a lantern, which lights our way as well. We are also dressed in leather armor, um, and but better equipment may be found as we proceed towards Firetop Mountain. 
Now, in addition, we're also able to choose one bottle of magic potion, which will aid in our quest. And we can choose from any of the following. So a potion of skill, which restores our skill points, a potion of strength, which restores our stamina points, or a potion of fortune, which restores our luck points and adds one to initial luck. So that actually sounds quite good. Um... I think I'm going to take the potion of strength though, because I feel like that's going to be the most important. So I'm going to start off with a potion of strength. Okay, so I've taken my potion of strength and I can use that at any time during the adventure. Um, important to note that these bottles contain two measures and each measure does what it says to do. So each measure of my potion of strength restores my stamina points so I get two instances of that which is great uh, and each time I use that I need to note it on my adventure sheet that's all there is to the rules and the gameplay so let's just get stuck straight into it only a foolhardy adventurer would embark upon such a perilous quest without first finding out as much as possible about the mountain and its treasures before your arrival at the foot of Firetop Mountain, you spent several days with the townsfolk of the local village some two days' journey from the base. Being a likeable sort of person, you found it easy to get along with the local peasants. Although they told many stories about the mysterious warlock's sanctuary, you could not feel sure that at all, or indeed any, of these were based on fact. The villagers had seen many adventurers pass through on their way to the mountain, but very few ever returned. The journey ahead was extremely dangerous, that you knew for certain. Of all those who returned to the village, none contemplated going back to Firetop Mountain. There seemed to be some truth in the rumour that the warlock's treasures were stored in a magnificent chest with two locks, and the keys to these locks were guarded by various creatures within the dungeons. The warlock himself was a sorcerer of great power. Some described him as old, Others as young, some said his power came from an enchanted deck of cards, others from the silky black gloves that he wore. The entrance to the mountain was guarded by a pack of warty-faced goblins, stupid creatures fond of their food and drink. Towards the inner chambers, the creatures became more fearsome. To reach the inner chambers, you would have to cross a river. The ferry service was regular, but the ferryman enjoyed a good barter, so you should save a gold piece for the trip. The locals also encouraged you to keep a good map of your wanderings, for without a map you would end up hopelessly lost within the mountain. When it finally came to your day of leaving, the whole village turned out to wish you a safe journey. Tears came to the eyes of many of the women, young and old alike. You couldn't help wondering whether they were tears of sorrow shed by the eyes which would never see you alive again. So that's just a little, uh, a little four chapter it's just called rumors um, before we get into the actual game at last your two-day hike is over you unsheath your sword lay it on the ground and sigh with relief as you lower yourself down onto the mossy rocks to sit for a moment's rest you stretch rub your eyes and finally look up at firetop mountain the very mountain itself looks menacing the steep face in front of you looks as looks to have been savaged by the claws of some gargantuan beast. 
sharp rocky crags just out at unnatural angles. At the top of the mountain, you can see the eerie red colouring, probably some strange vegetation, which has given the mountain its name. Perhaps no one will ever know exactly what grows up there, as climbing the peak must surely be impossible. Your quest lies ahead of you. Across the clearing is a dark cave entrance. You pick up your sword, get to your feet, and consider what dangers may lie ahead of you. But with determination, you thrust the sword home into its scabbard and approach the cave. You peer into the gloom and see dark, slimy walls with pools of water on the stone floor in front of you. The air is cold and dank. You light, you light your lantern and step warily into the blackness. Cobwebs brush your face and you hear the scurrying of tiny feet, rats most likely. You set off into the cave. After a few yards, you arrive at a junction. Will you turn west or east? And with each of those options, we're given a page to go to. So I think I'm going to go west, turning to 71. There is a right-hand turn to the north in the passage. Cautiously, you approach a sentry post on the corner, and as you look in, you can see a strange goblin-like creature in leather armor asleep at his post. You try to tiptoe past him. Uh, test your luck. If you are lucky, he does not wake up and remain snoring loudly, uh, which we turn to page 301. If you are unlucky, you step with a crunch on some loose ground and his eyes flick open, turning to page 248. So I'm going to test my luck. My luck is 10 and I need to roll uh, one six-sided die. And nine, it's, uh, yeah, I, I am lucky. So I reduce my luck by one. So that comes down to nine. And I turn to page, to, to section 301. I keep saying pages. They're not pages. There's like four or five sections to a page. Um, yeah, I just keep mishearing. Okay. <clears throat> to your left, on the west face of the passage, there is a rough cut wooden door. You listen at the door and can hear a rasping sound, which may be some sort of creature snoring. Do you want to open the door? If so, turn to 82. If you wish to press on northwards, turn to 208. Um, I think I need to check out what's in the door. So I'm going to open the door and go to section 82. The door opens to reveal a small, smelly room. In the centre of the room is a rickety wooden table on which stands a lit candle. Underneath the table is a small wooden box. Asleep on a straw mattress in the far corner of the room is a short, stocky creature with an ugly, warty face. The same sort of creature that you, might, that you found asleep at the sentry post. You must be the guard for the night watch. You may either return to the corridor and press on northwards, or creep into the room and try to take the box without waking the creature. If you want to try to steal the box, test your luck. If you're lucky, he does not wake up. If you're unlucky, turn to page 33. Well, I mean, I can't, I can't not steal the box. Alright, I'm going to test my luck once again. Okay, I've just realized I did the last test your luck uh, check wrong as well. Um, so that's my mistake. I rolled one dice and added six to it, which is what I did to get the luck score. So I'm going to do it right this time. I'm going to roll my two dice with my new score of nine. And it's a solid 12, which means I fail my luck 
score my, my test my luck uh, and I reduce my luck to eight and I go to 33. The sleeping creatures awaken startled. He jumps up and rushes at you unarmed. With your sword, you should be able to defeat him, but his sharp teeth look rather vicious. You may escape through the door or stand and fight the orc who is attacking you. So I'm going to uh, I'm gonna fight the orc. Uh, his skill is six and his stamina is four. So let me just quickly do my calculations. Okay, so for this battle, the uh, for this round, sorry, the goblins... Uh, the goblin's attack score is three plus six, so it's nine, and mine is um, fourteen. So yes, that's to me. So doing a two stamina damage to the orc creature, and we start again. This time his is. 13 and mine is 16 so yes again I attack him doing another two damage he only had a stamina of four to begin with so he is defeated and I may take the box and turn to section 147 you leave the room with the box and open it in the passage Inside you find a single piece of gold and a small mouse, which must have been the creature's pet. You keep the coin and release the mouse, which scurries off down the passageway. Gain two luck points and turn to page 208. Oh yeah! So two luck points. And I am back up to my initial score of 10. And I turn to 208. Further up the passage, along the west wall, you see another door. You listen at it, but hear nothing. If you want to try and open the door, turn to pay, turn to 397. If you want to continue northwards, turn to 363. Um, I mean, I know I have to find some keys to get into the wizard's treasure, so I'm going to try opening the door to page to 397. The door opens to reveal a small room with a stone floor and dirty walls. There's a stale smell in the air. In the centre of the room is a makeshift wooden table on which is standing a lit candle. Under the table is a small box. In the far corner of the room is a straw mattress. You may either open the box or leave the room. Well, I need to open the box, so it's 2.40. The box is light, but something rattles within. You open the lid and a small snake starts out to bite your wrist. You must fight the snake. Okay, so I'm in another battle, this time with a snake that has a skill of 5 and a stamina of 2. Um, so, the attack for the snake this time is 10 and mine is 17. So yes, I, I, I attack it, I kill it, uh, it's only had a stamina of 2, so it is dead. The box has fallen to the ground during the fight with the snake and out of it has fallen a bronze coloured key with a number 99 carved into it. You must take this key with you, note it in your equipment and leave the room. Add lug at one luck point and turn to 363. Uh, so I can't add any more luck because I'm back at my initial score of 10 and I can't increase it more unless it specifically says so. Uh, but I'm going to add my bronze key 
to my knapsack. It's bronze key carved with 99. Okay. That might be a good spot to leave it for this episode. Shorter episodes, but it's going to be shorter episodes given that these are solo RPGs. Thank you very much for joining me this week on Tabletop Unknown and join me again next week for a continuation of this story. Tabletop Unknown is myself, Will, as the adventurer. The Tabletop Unknown theme is by myself, and the Warlock of Wizard Mountain theme is Adventure by Alexander Nakarada. Additional sound effects are from zapsplat.com. We are now powered by the 8-Bit Network and Audio Technica, so head over to 8bit.net and check out some of Australia's leading podcasters in the pop culture sphere. If you want to write or contact us, you can at tabletopunknowncast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook for any additional info or references next episode will be up on saturday the 22nd of october so we will see you then Top unknown.